Howdy, and welcome to Thriving in the Transition, the podcast. Episode 16, folks. I'm humbled and blessed to be able to bring this podcast to you and be part of your lives. Yeah, I say it every week. That's only because I mean it every week. Your feedback, your encouragement, your connection make this all worthwhile. What's more, I can see you all connect with each other. That's super awesome. That's why I'm here. That's why I do what I do. Doing this, connecting with you, is absolutely amazing. It's inspirational. I hope you feel a small percentage of what I feel. So, yay me, yay you, and yay us. As we continue to grow and broaden our audience, give us that five-star rating. Follow us, subscribe, add positive comments, like us, or give us a thumbs up. What I'm ultimately saying, what I say every week, is that you should connect with us. You should engage with us. We're up now. We're available on Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify. Simply search for us wherever you listen to great podcasts. We strive to be among that great podcast list that you listen to, that you rely upon, and ultimately find useful. Why am I doing this? Who in their right minds would produce, publish, manage, carve time out of their lives for a podcast? Well, you know I'm doing it for all the right reasons. Just trust me. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I'm doing it for the right reasons. That's why I'm doing it. The truth is simply I want to practice what I preach. I absolutely believe that part of my purpose is to connect with others and bring people together. Now, more than ever, folks, hear me out. We need this. We need to come together. We need to understand. The world is crazy. Let's not make it any crazier, right? Let's support each other. Let's embrace our commonalities. Let's be one people. There's too much negativity. There's too much violence. There's too much misunderstanding. There's just too much. I want to be just part of that unification, of that process of healing, of understanding, of growth. I understand. We've got our differences. We want to share them. We want to talk about them. We want to act them out when we're hurt. We act out of fear. We act out of pain. We act out of being in a system that doesn't respect us. I'm asking you to respect yourself. I just totally went off on a tangent that's not where I wanted to go, but that's what came out because I was talking about my purpose and that's part of it, right? I want to highlight and ultimately exemplify the fact that we've got more in common than we do in difference. If we focus on those commonalities, folks, we can do it. We can come together. We can make sense of what's going on and get to a better place. I admit the differences are much easier to identify. But discovering and appreciating those commonalities is so much more fun, is so much more rewarding. And we've seen examples of that. Police walking with protesters, law enforcement 
taking knees. There is commonality there, folks. There is common ground. We just have to look for it. So that's part of why I'm doing it. The other part, or the rest of the story, as to why I'm doing this, is that I want to shine a bright light on those slightly enigmatic, the charismatic, those inspirational people among us. I want to share their stories about thriving in and during times of transition. The theory, my theory, being that hearing about other people succeed will give anyone that may be struggling with the motivation, that may be struggling with encouragement, you'll get those things. You'll be motivated. You'll be encouraged to continue and thrive in your own respective transition. This week, I'm thoroughly excited. You get to meet someone near and dear to my heart. Someone very well practiced in transitions and being comfortable with discomfort. Oh yeah, that's our topic for this week. Being comfortable with discomfort. Many people balk and struggle and stumble during transition because of discomfort. Discomfort throws us off our game. It's that physical, it's that mental component of a transition. But never fear, Sarah Zadigan is here. That's my guest this week. I bet you thought I forgot all about it, right? I bet you thought I got sidetracked like I did in the very beginning. That was just a little diversion to get to this point right here. See, it was all intentional. Anyway, we're going to jump into things with Sarah and this notion of being comfortable with discomfort right after this little break. Intro and outro music by Genesis 7. You can listen to more of his music on Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, or wherever you stream your music. Just search for Genesis 7. That is G-E-N-E-S-I-S, and then the number 7 directly behind it. If you're interested in purchasing music from him, shoot him a note on the contact form on his website at Genesis7Productions.com. Folks, you are in for such a treat. I am joined with, oh my gosh, one of the most amazing people that I know. She's brilliant. She's beautiful. She's a mom. She has traveled and moved and picked up and restarted careers and picked up new careers and, oh, married, all, all this really great stuff. And I couldn't think of a better person to join us and talk about being comfortable with discomfort. And without further ado, maybe a little more ado, I don't know, depends on how I feel. Uh, I'd like to welcome Sarah Zadigan to the show. Sarah, welcome. Hi, Will. Thanks for having me. And you're way too sweet. See, like I I told you, it was going to be a little sappy. I kind of warned you. But here's the thing, Sarah, you know me, I tend not to blow smoke. Uh, While you call it sweet, I call it real. Did I say anything that was untrue? Well, hopefully not. Um, and I, I do think it's fair to say that it's sweet. Um, I think it's fair to say that it's kind. And while I do agree that you don't generally blow smoke, I think you do an exceptional job of empowering the people around you. And I feel incredibly blessed to have you in my life. 
And so, folks, with that statement alone, that is why she's on the show. She just proved everything in her introduction to be valid. Yes, my opinion. That's why I love you, Sarah. You rock chick. Ah, <laughs> uh, man, the feeling is mutual. The feeling is mutual. Tell me in your own words, or just tell me about this whole being comfortable with discomfort. And the reason that the whole thing came up, I've done shows on self-care and well-being and building a community, but there was this thread that popped up about somehow you have to, to thrive in a transition. You have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable because transitions are uncomfortable. What's your take on all of that and this crazy notion of being comfortable with discomfort? Well, I think, I think probably at the most basic level, it's that you, at any time that you're growing, it's, it's not comfortable, right? Like we talk about as kids, you, you have kids, I have kids, and I mean, both of our kids are super tall, and it, it, there's growing pains, right? Like it, it, that's the transition with physical growth. There are, there are growing pains. And I think the same is true with mental and emotional growth. And if you think about it in terms of, like, the ultimate transition, right, is evolution. True. You cannot look at evolution and think that the changes of those species that led to their survival was a comfortable process. It wasn't. Any time that you're growing and you're changing and you're meeting dynamic needs, it's, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be awkward. If you're, like, continually evolving, I think on some level you're, constantly stuck in your awkward teenage years and that's okay because you still made it out the other side you know I and I think I think part of what is the struggle is that we have changed the language towards transitions to be negatively connotated right like transitions and wow. sense of vulnerability um, vulnerability isn't a bad thing we've societally pushed it to be a bad thing, but in reality, vulnerability is just being open and honest. And if we were to write a list of qualities that we wanted to see in someone, I think most of us would write a list that included the words open and honest, and very few of us would write a list that included the word vulnerable. And so this transition has kind of become downplayed or negatively connotated in a way that I, I don't think it should be blown away. And folks, this is why I've got guests. The more I talk to people, the more I change the, the, the way I think, the, what I take into me that I add to my transition. Sarah, just that concept, the way we talk about, the way we view transitions as negative, and that's part of why people rebel, I, I think is amazing. And I think you're absolutely right. Uh, why is growing, continuing to improve leaving where you are going someplace else, a bad thing. Yeah, and if you think about it, I mean, you mentioned, you know, I like to travel. I know you've traveled pretty extensively too. And if you hear all these, like, contrite things, like it's not the destination, it's the journey. <laughs> um, I love and, that saying, though, Sarah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I do. I, I, love, I love that saying as well. But why can't we just apply it to our own life? Right, the transitions are the points on the map that we make that we make a change, that we go from one place to another place. It isn't about the destination. It is about the journey. Then why do we look so negatively upon 
the transitions upon the awkward points on the way to our goal. Why are we so afraid of the transitions? No one sets a big goal and is like, ooh, I'm terrified of that. They're not terrified of the goal. They're terrified of the transition. So why can't we just be more open about the transition being like the journey that we talk about when we say it's not the destination, it's the journey. It really is the journey. And I think that's a huge part of why I wanted to talk to you today and be on your show, not just to support you, my friend, who, as I've said, is just an expert empowerer, but also just to kind of have that conversation about about making that journey and making that a good conversation and, and making that the part that, that we focus on. Have it be the journey. It doesn't have to be the scary transition. It can be just the journey, the trip from point A to point B, and, and it can be an awesome one. And what I take away from what you, you just said and like all the different pieces, transition is natural. You talk about evolution and these different animals evolving from one thing to the next. That's natural. They didn't decide to do it. It was just part of life. Same with people. Right? Instead of making it this big thing, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm getting ready to transition or I'm in the transition, oh my gosh, doom and gloom, it's like, I'm, I'm going to do it, sir. I'm going to use the cliche. I'm just living my best life. If that means not being yesterday what I'm going to be tomorrow, so be it. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing weird. There's nothing extraneous about that. It's just what people do. Is, is, is that fair? I think that's totally fair. Not to say, like, I, don't, I go against the cliches, gosh, I use them all, all myself, but I, I do think that's a great example, just living my best life, and, and it may not be today what it is tomorrow. I mean, goals change, opportunities change, and ideally, if we are transitioning in the, in the purest and most evolutionary system, that will be a dynamic process. And it will be facing some unknowns and then maybe taking a few unknown turns. Maybe in my case, taking a whole lot of them. Who knows? <laughs> and, and I'm laughing for, for two, two things. You said a key <laughs> word. Um, you, you said the unknown. And to me, I think that's at the heart of discomfort that people feel, right? Because it, it's sure. unlike our kids going through growing pains, it's, dealing with the unknown. Hell, we're living in a world of unknown right now uh, with COVID-19. What do you say to people when it comes to the unknown? So clearly you've put it in a place where I'm going to say you almost have fun with it. You almost look forward to it a little bit. What about those folks that are deathly afraid of the unknown? Okay, wow, that's a super loaded uh, <laughs> question, uh, compliment. Um, I would say, to be honest, I probably am a little bit of duck on the water in that scenario. I probably make it look a lot easier than it feels inside. I, I know you would say I'm an expert transitioner, and um, I am certainly a well-practiced transitioner. I don't I don't know that I would fall into the expert category, but um, it's, it is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for me, uh, even though I do it a lot, even though I try to do it a lot. It's awkward. It is uncomfortable, and it takes a lot for me to be able to be present in those moments, and I would say that I, I fail a good deal of the time. Um, for me, it's taken a lot of, 
a lot of practice and, and mindfulness. I practice mindfulness meditation every day. Um, sometimes I do a great job at it, and sometimes I'm like, oh, I should keep practicing this because it's not working very well. Um, but I think part of it is, is having faith in your in yourself and having faith in your goal, and and a lot of it is also surrounding yourself with people that are going to honor the transition and, and honor your growth. Um, I'm a huge, huge fan of Brene Brown. Um, if you don't know who she is, I think you should look her up. Uh, she's a social worker, and she does amazing work on vulnerability and, and daring and, and rising strong when you fall flat on your face. And she speaks so brilliantly and so openly about it. But in most of her work, she talks about a quote that Teddy Roosevelt gave that really has really embodied her work. And in that quote, he says that it's not the critic that counts, uh, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the person in the arena whose face is marred with dust and sweat and blood and who strives valiantly, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. I think that quote in and of itself is super powerful. It's an but amazing every, quote. Every time that Brene talks about it in her work, and, and it, it comes through frequently, she talks about if, if you are in that arena, and which I think is if you are working any time in a time of transition, you're going to get your butt handed to you. And that you don't want to worry about anybody that's not there in that arena with you. Their opinion is completely irrelevant. And I, I think that's an important point, you know. If there's people around that are willing to give your opinion and look at social media, right, people are very, very willing to give their opinion. The yeah, they are. The ones that matter, yeah, the only ones that matter are the people that are in the arena with you. And that arena is probably pretty small. And anybody that's not in there getting their butt kicked with you, like, just ignore that. Move on. And that's why I gravitate towards people like you, people that are understanding and people that value the transition and people that are empowering. And I can say, you know, you and I have been friends for 20 years now. Gosh, that makes me feel old. But <laughs> we've been friends You're for, right, for like 20 years. I'm like, really? But yeah. I know, whoa. Um, but we've been friends for 20 years, and I can say, like, I've fallen on my face quite a number of times in that 20 years. And I don't think there wasn't any time that you weren't in the arena dusting me off and saying, hey, it's good, you got this. Those are the people that I want around. I want around people that are going to help me pick myself up and dust myself off and love me for who I am and what I have to offer. And, and I've just sort of weeded out those other people throughout the time. I've kind of Marie Kondoed them. You bring me no joy. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Well played, Sarah. Marie Kondo, those people that aren't in the arena with you. And I, I love that <laughs> analogy because it's, it's, it's visceral, it's real, and I'm absolutely thinking of Russell Crowe in The Gladiator. Um, if, if people aren't fighting with you, getting dirty with you, their opinion matters not. Like, it, there's nothing that they can say because they're not going through it. Um, it reminds me of a quote, and I, I'm going to have to backtrack and see who said it. Uh, those people that say it can't be done should get out of the way of the people doing it. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, it, and it's very similar. But we 
as folks going through it. And again, in a transition, your world is upside down. It's confusing, even though you've been through a lot. And I love the way you said you're, you're well-practiced, and I also love that humility. Again, folks, an episode on humility is coming up because every single person I've talked to has downplayed what they do and what they contribute. But I, I digress. You Good luck don't getting call somebody your... with humility to explain humility, by the way. But <laughs> Way to shoot me down. <laughs> Like, why do you think it, you haven't had the episode yet? <laughs> if, if anyone can do it, it's you, Will. But, but wow, you got your work cut out for you. Sarah, let me tell you, I'm the best at being humble. <laughs> and this is why we're friends. <laughs> I've been saving that joke up for, like, I don't know how long. <laughs> but you, you said this thing that you're not an expert at transitions, but you're, you're well-practiced. It, potato, potato, but it does take practice. People that go through it a lot, it's not necessarily easier. They just know what to expect, or maybe even more importantly, they know what's waiting on the other side. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. It's a little tricky, oh. I think, because you, like you do, sorry to cut you off. It is a little tricky. I mean, I don't think that you ever will be an expert at the transition because you can never predict the different facets that are going to play into each other every single time. I think the key is just that you keep trying and, and you do recognize that there is something amazing or something that you didn't appreciate before that you'll gain an appreciation for on the other side and, and that it is worth the struggle, for lack of a better term. You said so many awesome things and people if you've been taking note if you haven't start if you have write some more you talked about the practice thing you talked about having faith you talked about surrounding yourself with people that will honor your transition you early on you talked about we've changed the language of transition where it connotes this bad thing just so many brilliant points and to me it's obvious why you've been able to thrive in your transitions. Although, again, you make this claim you're not an expert. It adds up to me. It makes sense. And so, folks, if you're looking for tips and pointers, what do those people that thrive in the transition do? You just heard a whole bunch of it. But the cool thing, you're going to hear a whole bunch more. Now, Sarah, I, I think our rapport, people can, like, feel that uh, through the computer or their phone or wherever they're listening to this episode. We've had this great conversation, and I haven't technically asked any of my standard questions yet, and part of me half expects not to because we're just going to let this go where it goes. You mentioned this earlier, and I want to make sure I bring it to the forefront. What do you want to accomplish by being on the show? What's, what's in it for you? Well, I think there's two really important things for me, and, and I guess it's, it's my turn to be sappy. I feel... Um, I feel like in, in a lot of circumstances, you you do have the opportunity and should take the opportunity to express gratitude for the good things that come into your life. And I, I think I probably do that on an individual level with you on a fairly regular basis. But this is the first time I've had to really express that on a wide, wide scale basis. I mean, you truly are one of the most amazing people that I know. I think that um, you are honest and kind and good and 
you are the most confident person that I know and somehow managed to not be arrogant. And I, that is a gift, man. That is an absolute gift. And above and beyond that, you use that confidence to simply empower the people around you. And this is like an amazing opportunity for me to encourage and empower you and help you on your journey. And I, I don't feel like I get that gift very often. And I just wanted to pay it back or pay it forward or however you see it. So I feel very blessed to be here to support you on, on your journey and to help you share your gifts with other people. I think you get an A plus for that one. That's the most amazing answer I've ever heard to any question anywhere. <laughs> well, you you deserve it, my friend. You absolutely deserve it. Um, I think on a more global perspective and and less of a sappy like you're my friend and I love you perspective. I just to have that conversation about why or how we have changed that language about transition and how we can choose to change the language back to an empowering language to help ourselves and help other people make positive transitions and, and move forward. And I can't take away the scariness of it. I can't take away the awkwardness of it. But I think we do have control over the language that we use to explain it. And we can minimize um, some of those feelings that prevent us from boldly taking transitions, I guess. And I love that, again, just this nugget just rolled out your mouth so eloquently. Choosing to take that language back of the way we describe transitions or being comfortable with discomfort. To me, it, everything's about choice. And you, you folks heard that on the, the last couple episodes in some way, shape, or form. I do believe that whether or not you thrive in a transition is simply a matter of choice. So if you talk about it in a negative sense, if you verbalize the fear, it's going to be hard. You're going to struggle. Um, but if you take back the language and it's fun, it's empowering, it's adventure, what, I don't know, whatever words you use, it's going to be better. And, and I'm, I'm curious, Sarah, and I'm going to be bold and, and put that to the test. Now, you've, you've moved a lot, you've traveled a lot, you're an avid traveler. When you talk about moving from a location or buying a house or selling a house, sometimes all happening at the same time, what sorts of words do you use to describe <laughs> that process? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, it, it depends on the mood I'm in. I mean, if I'm being completely honest, and I feel like there's no reason not to be, sometimes I say it's stupid. Um, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's exciting. Um, some, a lot of times, most of the time, whether I feel like it's a smart idea or it's, or um, an exciting idea it's it's terrifying it's stressful um but i can say it's also been very beautiful and and i will be honest with you probably the single most transition embracing thing i have done is marry my husband before my husband i was very much in like I, I think I was aimed towards personal growth, but it was a much slower personal growth. It was very 
well thought out and my transitions were, were timed and very well planned. And my husband is a little bit more of a wanderer than I am, and he just goes for it. And there have been a lot of times that I've just had to go for it with him. And I think his approach to life has taught me a lot more about how to just appreciate that transition and roll with it. And I still sometimes slam on the brakes and say, ah, I'm not comfortable with this. I got to slow down. I got to slow down. But he's given me a lot of a lot of practice at the transitions and at just embracing the beauty of it and saying, you know, it's going to work out. We have each other. We'll figure it out. And uh, I think probably there's some beautiful melding of his adventurism and my practicality and putting all the pieces together that that has has made it work. But I would tell you, you could you could catch me on any end of the emotional spectrum or the ability to describe it at at any point in time. I feel like to this point the uh, I've appreciated it for what it's brought me. I've learned a whole lot about myself, and I've been able to help my family grow in a in a pretty solid way uh, throughout the years. Uh, but but yeah, in real in real honesty, sometimes it's messy, sometimes it's awesome. But it's definitely it's definitely taught me a lot and helped me grow and understand and see things in a way that that I I might not have figured out had I not been through all of this stuff. That's awesome. And again, the, the, the shout out to the allusion to the support network and your husband and, you know, going on for the ride, but also learning something in all of the transitions, I think is really, really cool. But more so, Sarah, I, I want to thank you for making that language common. All the words you use, I think everyone that's ever been through a transition anywhere, they've used those same words. And I know they have, and I don't care how big or how small, you've covered it. And so I I call that out to show that even people that thrive in transition, they are just like you. There is no difference between my friend Sarah, who I'm talking to now, and you listening wherever you're listening from. So if you guys are using the same language, there's no reason you two can't thrive in your own respective transition. Yeah, I do think, I think it's important to be, you know, honest and be vulnerable, recognize, like transitions are periods of vulnerability. And vulnerability, I think, is something that's challenging for the vast majority of us. Because it, it puts you out there. It puts you in a position where you could fail. It puts you in a position where you could get hurt. Um, and I, I think that as I've transitioned more, I've developed a better sense of vulnerability. And I don't, I don't know if that makes sense, but I think, you know, I came from a place in the Midwest, and I don't know how to say Maybe we're like a hardy group of people. We're a tough group of people. But vulnerability was something that, wasn't necessarily um, appreciated, let's say, where I was from. So I was taught very much to be be strong, be strong, be strong. Um, right. And yeah, I think it's, as I've gone through, yeah, you know, you're not from too far away from where I'm from. Uh, but I think as I've matured or as I've gone through many of these transitions, as I've grown and changed as an individual, um, I think I've realized that 
the vulnerability is an important part to transitioning and to moving forward and moving along the path. And I've kind of learned that ability to be strong and vulnerable and put those two things together. They used to be mutually exclusive ideas to me. And now I recognize that they are in tandem and I can't pull them apart. And if I'm not being vulnerable, I'm not actually transitioning. I, I get stuck if I'm not being vulnerable. And I think the practice at transitioning has helped me embrace that ability to, to be more vulnerable. And I, I think going back to Brene Brown, she's like my, oh my gosh, she's like my transitional hero. But she has this phrase called strong back, soft front. And I think I grew up learning how to have a strong back. And as an adult, I've learned how to have a soft front. And it's, that's taken a lot of, a lot of practice and just gut-wrenching struggle to figure out. <laughs> but but I, if I'm being totally honest, I mean, it has, it has been a hard, a hard road. But I think the more that I've embraced that, the, the fuller my life has been and the easier the other transitions have come. Speechless, uh, a, a little bit. So I, I, I love this concept of vulnerability and how you link it to the transition. And you know, when you're not being vulnerable, transition not going to be successful, and vice versa. Um, now, and this is maybe an unfair question, but I'm, I'm going to ask it anyway. It's my show, Dan. It. And you're my friend. Why wouldn't you? So it, it, exactly. How would you or do you link vulnerability with being comfortable or uncomfortable? Where does that fit in this whole discomfort thing? Um, I think that's a great question, incredibly fair. Um, I think the vulnerability is the uncomfortable part, and I think that's why it is important to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. And I think sometimes it's, being comfortable with your uncomfortable. I think sometimes it's being uncomfortable with the discomfort of the people around you because sometimes you grow and evolve and everybody in your arena is growing and evolving with you or empowering you or wiping the dust off your face. And, and there's other times that you growing, which you know is the ultimate time of vulnerability, sometimes like you're growing that moves you away from who you thought was your arena. And, and it's wow. a dynamic process. And I, I, think, I think that you have to really embrace the discomfort of all of it and take the time to say, okay, this is uncomfortable. Why is it uncomfortable? Is it uncomfortable because it doesn't feel safe? Is it uncomfortable because now I'm recognizing that that situation wasn't actually a healthy situation? Is it uncomfortable because... I see the path and I, I know it's not going to be easy. Not just, I think you have to be so aware of, of the feeling of uncomfortable so that you can kind of dig a little deeper and, and tap into it to get to the, the why or the where to go from here, if that makes any sense. I feel like I'm rambling, so sorry if it's confusing. No, not at all. It, it makes total sense. And what I like one, using this sense of vulnerability and linking it to discomfort can be a barometer, right? You know that you're in transition when you, you've got that, you know, whether it's a sinking pit in your stomach or the 
hair on the back of your neck stands up, however that physically manifests itself. But recognizing that is an aha. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm growing, I'm changing, I'm evolving. But something else that you said that I think is incredibly powerful, uh, transition twofold, right? We talked about people in the arena with you wiping the dust off your face. You're, you guys are going through the same thing together. But sometimes that transition is moving to a new arena. Sometimes those folks in the old arena, I don't know, maybe don't have your back or using different weapons than you use, what, whatever you want to fit in to make that analogy work. How do you see that difference, or is there a difference? Is there a difference between that, that moving? personal growth? Yeah, basically changing arena. So one, you know, you, your, your crew, your squad, your community is in the same arena with you, but then sometimes you have to change arenas, and not everyone's going to go to that next arena with you. Yeah, and I think sometimes, sometimes that's the hardest, right? Because we can be uncomfortable as an individual, but know without a doubt my arena is full of people that have got my back. And there's a little bit of peace and security there. You can, you can be quite vulnerable because you have extra support, right? I think if your arena is changing, if, if your support system around you is changing, that's terrifying on a whole different level, right? Yeah. And that's probably going to make you armor up rather than be more vulnerable, to be, to be really honest, or you're going to have to really dig in very, very, very hard. And it could be a lonely journey. And I think, I think that's why a lot of people don't change their arenas that often. Right. I think that's exactly. why you, you keep hanging out with the people that you hang out with or you don't break ties from people that are unhealthy, you know. And, and I'm sure most of us have experienced that. Sometimes, you know, it's hard to change your arena because, like, that's your family. That's all you've ever known. Um, and I, that's completely relatable. Sometimes, you know, you get later in life and maybe you get married and you look at your husband and you're like, why on earth are you friends with that dude? Or, you know, you see it in your, you know, sibling's choice of a partner or something like, what in the world? But it's hard to change that arena. And I, I, I don't know, everybody has to just find the, the right impetus when it, when it works for them. But I, I can definitely respect the, the challenge in that sense. And it's, it's great magnitude. <laughs> Yeah, it's beautiful it, uh, elevation, and I, I like the distinction. And you, you said, think about which one it is for you, because how you proceed from that point on could be totally different, right? If it's just you growing and you've still got your squad, that's a very different transition than moving arenas. <laughs> yeah, and, and sometimes it's not even moving the arena. Sometimes it's just recognizing that there's a section of it that you don't really need to listen to anymore or that maybe you can just kind of put a curtain over part of it. I don't know. Like for me, one situation that I think has been really powerful for me, you know, I had a, I had a kind of tough childhood, and I spent a lot of years in therapy talking about it and coming to terms with it. And I can speak about my childhood very comfortably, very matter-of-factly, like, okay, well, this is what happened. I'm okay with it. I 
can honestly say, like, I wouldn't want the childhood that I had in many ways for my own children. Um, but I also feel incredibly blessed. I always had plenty of people in my life to love me. I always feel like, you know, the universe kind of helped conspire to get me, get me to a good place. And I had it much better than many other people have had it. I can sit down and enumerate certain things that were beyond not ideal in my childhood. I can talk about it very comfortably. I have learned that that makes many, many people, people that were there and people that were not there, incredibly uncomfortable. And so I think that's part of what I mean when I say sometimes you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable yourself and sometimes you have to get comfortable with the fact that you're so comfortable it unnerves other people. <laughs> and those people can still be in my arena, but it can still get uncomfortable. Just um, amazing. The, the notion that your comfort can be uncomfortable for others. And it's so true. Yeah, but, it's so incredibly true. But in some ways, like, I mean, it's not a rocket science thing, right? Like, well, maybe you don't experience this because God bless you, you are so self-confident. But, I'm like, I think I'm a decently confident person. I don't, I don't know if there's a spectrum of confidence or not, but I can go into a room and be like, oh, my God, that person is so confident, and then I can feel my confidence shake a little. What's the difference between comfort and discomfort and being on a continuum and feeling, feeling how you relate to someone else versus confidence or happiness or wealth or any other thing that we would compare ourselves to other people. I mean, it happens. It's, it's human nature. It's completely spot on, completely spot on. And I love the way you keep bringing back, just realize where you are. Yeah. I mean, in all honesty, like I can't control what's going on in your arena. I can't. I've got me. I got to figure out me and my situation and I think I spent a lot of my youthful years trying to help other, help worry about other people in their arena. And you know what, really? Just take care of me and my home and what's going on. And I think that's probably enough in this world. I can help other people by being supportive of them, but I don't need to solve anybody else's problems. Love it. Uh, Sarah, just amazing conversation, as I knew it would be. So we, we've talked about several of your transitions. We, we talked a little bit about your childhood. We talked about um, your husband. Um, we've talked about moves. Of all of your transitions, as you think back, personal, professional, which one to you stands out the most and why? And you may have already answered it, but I just wanted to put the question specifically out there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's tough because I have so many to choose from. Uh, no, just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, you're not. I uh, kind of. Uh, so I, I'd like to think that I've taken meaning from a lot, a lot of my transitions. Um, and as you mentioned, a lot of times I, I do a lot of the big transitions at one time, which is not necessarily optimal. I will, I will say, but um, sometimes it's not preventable. So I would say in my late twenties. Probably I made a, a bunch of huge changes at one time. Uh, I was in graduate school at the time in a fantastic program. I was in a PhD program, and it just really 
became apparent to me that the goal that I had set out on didn't actually apply to what I wanted in my life anymore. And um, that was earth-shattering for me because I had always had a plan and a long-range professional plan. And all of a sudden, I was realizing that if I just kept down my path, it was going to get me to my goal, but it wasn't going to be something that was fulfilling for me because my goal had actually changed. And I'd never quit anything before. And I very much felt like if I left my graduate program that I would be a quitter. And I really, really, really struggled with the idea of quitting for a long time before I was able to truly understand that I wasn't quitting. I was recognizing that the goal I had was different and that continuing down that path wasn't actually transition. It was just mindlessly wandering towards a location. And I struggled. I struggled very, very hard with how, how to handle that and how to navigate that. But I did ultimately figure out, okay, what is important to me professionally and personally and where do I, where do I go from here? And I ended up making one of those big turning points in my career and focusing less on research and focusing a lot more on teaching. And in that transition also, I, I met my husband I decided to move to where my husband was, and um, that came with it, its own host of things. So at the same time, I moved in with my husband. I had always very much wanted to be married and wanted to have a family, but it, it had been very important to me never to live with someone before I got married. And I had very openly discussed that with my family. You know, my husband and I had many, 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 many talks in the beginning, and you know, I credit my husband earlier in saying he's helped me make a lot of transitions and helped me kind of break apart from my structure in a lot of ways. And, and this was a perfect example of it. I said, I don't want to live with someone before I'm married. I want, I, it's very important to me that we have separate homes and separate apartments and, and that sort of thing. And, and my husband for a very long time said, okay. That's less important to me, but it clearly, these boundaries seem really important to you. And then at, at some point he said, you know, if our goal is to be together and have a family and we're living in a place that's expensive, which we were, we were living in Washington, D.C., he said, it doesn't seem to make sense for our financial future to have two separate homes. That seems like a lot of, you know, expense. And if our goal is to be together and have financial stability and, and that sort of thing, it's it, seems much more mindful to live together. We, and I'm talking, Will, we had months of this conversation, and God bless his patience for allowing me to have the, <laughs> the space and the transition that I needed to. And ultimately, we did decide to you know, buy a home and live together. But that had its own conversations then with my family, my family saying, you know, who, who are my arena, saying, hey, hold up, this path is different than the one that you said that you wanted to take all along. We're okay with the path. We just want to make sure that you're honoring who you are. It stimulated all these other conversations and kind of grown-up transitions in my relationships in, in that realm as well. Um, and then professionally at the same time, I, I was teaching. I was moving a lot towards teaching, and I was teaching 
at um, an inner city high school in Washington, D.C., which is night and day from where I came from. I came from a very white, very homogenous upbringing. And I definitely, teaching in the inner city taught me so much and helped me transition in, in so many ways at the same time that I'm navigating this huge transition in my personal life. But it, I mean, it taught me so much about myself and kind of broke down a lot of walls. And, and I'm going to be honest with you, if you want to talk about getting uncomfortable with the, or getting comfortable in the uncomfortable, like that was the time. Everything was different in that school than at any school that I had ever been part of. And I think I've always done a good job of being open-minded about individuals. I don't, I don't care what you look like. I don't care what your background is. You know, I assume that you're a good person. Being in that circumstance, those circumstances taught me a lot about not just needing to assume that people are good people, but to assume that people's intentions are good when I don't understand their actions. And wow. it taught me what it was like to be, it taught me what it was like to be the minority. And it taught me what it was like for someone to make assumptions about me, which I don't think I had embraced in the same magnitude previously in my life. And I just feel like there were so many amazing and terrifying transitions that I was going through at one period of time. But I think the things that happened at that in that time period really came together nicely to help me grow as a person. And, and really, I think that's the time period in my life that I started developing that soft front to go along with my strong back. And I, can, I look back on that time like pretty fondly. It was challenging, it was very challenging, but I think I've taken so much away from that period of my life that I consider it to be a massive blessing. And clearly you have, I, I can hear it. I mean, I flash back to when you would be going off to school or coming back from school and some of the stories you would share with me. Um, it definitely impacted you. One of the things, and you said this early on when you were talking about this, I'll call it this group of transitions happening all at once. It's you never having quit before and realizing that it wasn't you quitting or giving up but simply your goal had changed and and probably goals plural uh have changed i think that's a huge distinction not to belittle anything else that you said it, it's all wonderfully amazing but i think folks that are still figuring out how to be comfortable with being uncomfortable that's probably a big one for a lot of people yeah i think so and i mean i'll be honest with you there's there's still moments that I look back and I think, oh, should I have just stayed the course? I think it is kind of a struggle because we, we tell ourselves and we tell each other, you know, stay the course. If you set a goal, you have to get there. Don't quit. And, you know, right. I think as you, get, as you get to be older, sometimes it gets even more complicated because you're telling your kids you can't just quit because something is bit hard. You have to keep going, blah, blah, blah. But I think it's crucial to recognize, am I, am I quitting because it's hard? Am I quitting? Like quitting to me means I'm not willing to put the work in. Recognizing that my goal has changed is different. 
now I'm not willing to waste energy on something that doesn't get me where I want and need to be. And those two things are very different. And I think sometimes I probably navigate that with grace and other times I probably get stuck in the, in the common language of it all. Uh, but really at the end of the day, it's, I am willing to grind things out. I am a darn it. I am a good, strong Midwesterner and I can embrace the suck just about as good as any of the rest of them. But yeah, you I'm, are. Not willing to, I'm not willing to embrace the suck if it doesn't get me to where I want to go. And I think I've gotten better at recognizing the difference as I've gotten older or practiced more transition. Amazing distinction. And thank you for that. That's, yes, that, that is it, distinguishing um, the suck that's not going to get you where you want or need to be versus putting in the work. Uh, I love that definition. Quitting is not willing to put in the work versus, hey, this isn't going to get me to where I want to go. Brilliant. I'd, I'd expect nothing less. Too kind, so, my friend. Too kind. I, I, you keep saying, okay, I'll, I'll just accept it. And, 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 okay. <laughs> just accept it. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I am. <laughs> I'm a work in progress, people, so I'm, I'm just going to accept it. Um, get, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Just accept that compliment of kindness. <laughs> <laughs> Learning in the moment, people. Absolutely. <laughs> so if, if that – collection of transitions was the, the most impactful, and it's, it's obvious why. What does thriving in the transition mean to you? So clearly, you, you got the concept, and, and I'll say mastered the, the whole transition thing. What does thriving in the transition mean to you, Sarah? Wow, I, I don't know if I have an answer to that. I think for me, thriving means being mindful, it means being aware of how I'm feeling and constantly checking in and making sure that I'm, I'm not getting paralyzed and that I'm not making a ton of wrong turns. Wrong turns will happen. And that worst case scenario, if I am feeling lost, that it's, it's okay to ask for directions, you know, I don't, I don't know the path all the way. It's recognizing that, yes, it's going to be uncomfortable, and yes, it's going to be challenging, but I do have a support system. There are people to reach out for if I need help, and, and really my job is being mindful and aware and listening to my, myself and my body and my soul and just accepting every moment for what opportunity it might bring and trying to be open, you know, open. There's a lot of things that have happened to me in my life that I never, ever in my wildest dreams would have predicted. And it's just, are you willing to open? Like, you know, you talk a lot about um, Paulo Coelho and, and The Alchemist, which is one of my favorite books. And there's that, um, that sentiment in there that if you're on your path, the universe will conspire to help you. And, and I think that's Absolutely. very telling. Um, I, I, I think it's very true. But I don't know if you ever read that book, The Celestine Prophecy. It's all about, um, it's kind of a mystical book, but it's, it's all about um, recognizing coincidences, that there, that there are no coincidences. But if you're recognizing the world around you that you see things, that maybe people might 
consider to be coincidences. And I, I think that's an important part too. Like the universe will conspire to help you along your way, but you have to be aware enough to see the efforts that the universe is putting out there, or you have to be willing to pick up the baton and go with it. Oh and my I gosh, think that's absolutely. probably something that a lot of us either are not aware enough to see or are just too terrified to pick up the baton and run with it. Myself included. No, we're, we're all included, right? We, we, we've absolutely got more in common than we do in difference. What I like about your definition of thriving in the transition, it's, it's you. You've put yourself in the center. For you, it's, it's all about awareness of what you're feeling, what your gut's telling, what your head's telling, what your heart's telling, what your soul's telling you, um, and making sense of those pieces that the universe are putting in front of you. And I really like that because I think some folks, and me included at, at some point, go into, hey, I, I've got this, I'm going to control the stuff around me, versus focus on me, right? There's that outward focus of where you can really get tied to circumstance. But it's not about the circumstances. It's about you. And I love that you made that front and center in thriving in the transition. Absolutely. And it's a hard thing to let go of. We are a controlling species. And I think we also live in a society back to that whole, like, definition and how transition has been belittled by our common language, right? We've empowered control. We've empowered power, for lack of a better term, you know, it's the type A people, it's the people that get it done, it's whatever the case may be. And I always was, I have to have everything my way, it has to be controlled, I have to check these boxes, this is my only way to prevent failure. And again, God bless my husband, who has in many ways empowered me, being bold enough to say to me, like, I think some of these little structures that you've put in place. I see where they came from, honey, but geez, Louise, it seems a little <laughs> excessive, you know? And I thank you to him for recognizing that. Thank you to him for calling me out on that. And thank you to him for giving me the, the grace to say, like, clearly you need these support mechanisms right now. But my goal is sometimes that you don't need all this, these structures in place to feel safe and comfortable and that you can just experience life a little bit more. And I think that's probably happened over the last, you know, 11 years that we've been together. God bless his patience. But I think we haven't really empowered that whole idea of just it's okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay to not have all the answers. It's okay to not be in control all the time. And and it is okay to just appreciate what comes your way and experience it for what it is and and let it let it change you let it help you grow bask in the sunshine a little bit very well put and it, it you know what just hearing you talk i'm like dude where's my next transition i i, I need to bask right now <laughs> <laughs> well i think we're all in a pretty big sense of transition with the this whole covid 19 epidemic i think a lot of us are changing the way we live in the way that we work and the way we feel about how to stay close with the people that we care about. I think it's a very dynamic time for, for all of us. So I think you'll get a lot of practice with your transitions these days. Oh, we'll get, have gotten, 
um, look forward <laughs> to getting more. <laughs> and whether you like it or not, honey, transition is coming. Yes, yes, it is. All right, so I, one of my favorite questions. You, you know my love of music. What love yes. song would you dedicate to yourself to help you through a rough transition. And folks, if you're new to the show, thank you for, for joining, tuning in, dialing, clicking, however you got here. Uh, but in episode four, we, we talked about these love songs. Sarah, what, what song would you dedicate to yourself? Oh, man. Um, I had a feeling you would ask me this. I have two songs that I would dedicate to myself. And I realized that in your entire podcast on love songs, you only had five love songs, so I will be efficient with my explanation of these two love songs. <laughs> um, like you, I am, um, I wouldn't say I'm nearly the uh, music connoisseur that you are, but I would say I'm about as eclectic as you are. So I would say that my first love song that I would uh, give to myself would be Time in a Bottle by Jim Croce. Um, And the reason that I choose that song, aside from the fact that, like, Jim Croce's on my top list of, like, if I could only listen to five people for the rest of my life, I guarantee you Jim Croce would be on that list. Um, But that song says, uh, if I had a box just for wishes and dreams that had never come true, the box would be empty except for the memory of how they were answered by you. And it goes on to say later on, um, there never seems to be enough time to do the things you want to do once you find them. But I've looked around enough to know that you're the one I want to go through time with. And, and I think that's important to me because it just reminds you how important it is to know yourself and to honor yourself and that if no one else is around, you still have to be comfortable with you. You still have to want to spend time with you. You have to be the person that you want to be. And other people can come and go, but you are the one that is sticking it out the whole time. And I think that that song just really reminds me of how important it is to stay in touch with yourself and how powerful it is once you've found that part of you. Amazing. So I, I, yes, a thousand percent, yes, completely, completely agree with that choice. And I want to go on the record I love that you get the whole concept of the love song, like like every level of it, and you explained it beautifully, my friend. Thank you. All right, oh, but I'm curious. Well, thank you, thank if, you. If you're going to you start off about with, my other song, yeah, if you're starting off with Jim Croce, uh, I'm, I can't imagine what this next one's going to. Well, I've got an idea, but I'm not going to say that one on the air. Um, still, your ringtone, my friend. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's probably not. It's probably not that song, but yes. Um, so the other song, which I think a lot of people have not heard, but I know that you have because you were at my wedding. Um, my husband and I, this was our first song at our wedding, but it's called The Most, and it's by a guy called uh, named John Trost. And it talks about all the things he loves, um, sunny days and lots of rain and all kinds of things like that, very lighthearted and simple things. But um, it always comes back to, but I love you the most. And it says, I can't stand being so far away from you. So I guess there's one thing I need to do. I need to find a way for you and I to always be close because I love you the most. Will you love me the most? And I think that's just, again, it's the same kind of idea. It's so important to know who you are and 
love yourself and you can love a million other things in the world, but that relationship is the most important and will you take the tender love and care and the adventure and the leap of faith to love yourself the most as the foundation for all of those other things in life. Wow. And I, here I'm thinking it couldn't get any better than Jim Croce. Um, again, people, we don't give ourselves the love that we need to get through life, to get through the day, uh, let alone major transitions. But if you did, Sarah just, you gave folks two amazing songs. And if you, hopefully you've all heard Time in a Bottle by Jim Croce. Uh, but if not, look him up, stream him. Um, and then the most, I'm, I'm telling you right now, as soon as we hang up, I'm going to go listen to that again. Absolutely amazing. Love, love yourself. Give yourself. You've got my permission uh, to love yourself. You've got, I'm, Sarah, I'm going to put words in your mouth. You've got Sarah's permission too. <laughs> Absolutely. And the, the joyous thing about having Will's permission is that he has this lovely podcast online. And if you just need a reminder, you can just come and play it back. He'll say, please love yourself. I give you permission to love yourself. <laughs> you get me, Sarah. You really, really get me. <laughs> I do. It's like my transitions. I'm very well practiced in you. <laughs> yeah, for real. Uh, this is effortless. Does that make me a will expert? Uh, oh, pretty darn close, uh, lady. <laughs> pretty darn close. <laughs> All right, as, as we come to the end here, one, this has just been such an amazing amount of fun. If you've got one last thing that you want to leave people with, what is that one thing that you want to leave people with? I think just transitions can be super scary, but I think just give yourself grace. Give yourself permission to feel, feel that terror, for lack of a better word. Um, give yourself permission to experience it and to accept it for everything that it has to offer and to acknowledge the fear and to just just keep going. Be vulnerable. That's the, that's the thing that's going to help you stay connected to other people. And yes, it's hard, but it's, it's hard for everybody and it's the, it's the beautiful place in life. It's that you know, we've been using all these cliches, but it's, it's that beautiful, middle, messy part that you'll look back on and appreciate later in life, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you'll appreciate it. I, I love your words, Sarah, and, and I guarantee um, if, if, if you, you take what Sarah just said, being vulnerable, you're, you're going to appreciate it. Yeah, it may not be right now, but you will. It, it's going to happen. Sarah, thank you, thank you, thank you. I can't thank you enough for making time to be with us today, but even more so the the words and your stories, I think, are going to land so well with folks. Um, thank you, my friend. That's, yeah, that's, that's, oh. yeah, thank you. It was such an honor. Thank you for today and for our conversation and for the, the myriad conversations we've had over the last 20 years. It has just, it is an absolutely blessing every time I get to chat with you and gain a new perspective on my life. And, and I appreciate you. I am grateful for you. And I am so happy that you're sharing your gifts with other people. Again, speechless. Uh, goes both ways, Sarah, you know that. Uh, you are more than welcome. And I look forward to some more of those conversations. Uh, that sounds great. Deal. All right. I can't thank Sarah enough for her words, 
and her vulnerability, those stories that she shared, so real, so visceral even. I think it's pretty obvious why we're friends, and I appreciate her, her friendship, and her support of me over the years. Here's a quick recap of our conversation as it pertained to being comfortable with discomfort. One, think of things as growing pains. The mental pains of growth absolutely mirror the physical pains of growth. Think about evolution or a continual evolution. You also have to realize that somewhere down the line, we changed the language of transition. It's no longer a good thing. It's no longer a positive thing. It's bad. But Sarah's key, you have to be vulnerable. You have to focus on the vulnerability. Now, she also talked about this concept of practice. Things get easier the more you practice them. Now, I'm not suggesting that you go out and embrace as many transitions as you can. Well, actually, part of me is suggesting that. But you have to be mindful and you have to be present as part of the practice of embracing transition and all that it will bring to you. She also talked about this concept of having faith in yourself and in your goal, right? You're doing the right thing. You're on the right path. I believe in you. You just have to stop and believe in yourself and have faith that you're headed in the right direction. Even if you can't see the end, even if there isn't that light at the end of the tunnel yet, have a little faith. She also spent quite a bit of a time talking about your crew, your squad. You have to surround yourself with people that will honor your transition. And I like this whole concept of honor. It goes beyond support. It goes beyond understanding. Because those folks that will honor your transition may give you that needed boost when you forget to honor your own. There was also this amazing quote that she shared from Teddy Roosevelt. I'm not going to repeat the same thing because I won't deliver it as well as she did. The gist, if you fail, fail while daring greatly. That means someone, don't fail sitting on the couch. Don't fail because you never started. Don't fail because you don't have the confidence. Go balls to the wall. Go all out. I used to play trumpet. My band director says, if you make a mistake, make sure that everybody knows that you made a mistake. That's what fail daringly means or fail while daring greatly. She also talked about the opinions of other people. Now, we're all susceptible to this. We're not as good as them. We don't have what they have. We don't have their background. We're not from where they're from. Whatever. The point that she made, the opinions of other people not in the arena with you don't matter. It's only those folks that are fighting your fight. Those folks that are fighting alongside you, in front of you, behind you, those folks that you know have your back. Those are the opinions that matter. She said this really awesome thing. Sometimes you have to Marie Kondo the people in your life. If they're not bringing you joy, done. Move on. Get some people that will bring you joy. Along the way, you also have to express gratitude. Simply put, other times you have to choose to make the language of transitions positive versus negative. Things started at the beginning. We've chosen to make that language negative. 
you need to take it back. You need to make it positive. You need to look for the adventure. You need to look for the fun. Along the way, transitions are periods of vulnerability, which is how we take back that language. Strengths and vulnerability are not mutually exclusive. You can still show your strengths and be vulnerable. You can be vulnerable and be strong as long as you focus on your goal and do what's right for you. You have to be aware of the feelings of being uncomfortable. Those are the things that signify growth. Those are the things that simplify you're on the right path. But you also need to be aware, is it that you're growing or maybe you're growing away from those in your arena? Both are real. Both are true life examples. That's why you need to pause and take stock of where it is. Don't be afraid of the pain. Don't shy away from that discomfort. That's the time to take stock and see where you are and which one it is. Is it just your growth or you growing away from the folks in your arena? Then choose to proceed based on your determination. No one else's determination on your determination. We also talked about, and this is huge, right? Changing goals is not the same as quitting. Quitting means that you're not willing to put in the work. Changing goals means you're no longer going to go in a direction that's not beneficial for you. You're no longer going to go in a direction that's not going to be fruitful to your endeavors, beneficial to your family, that's going to get you to the next level. Not the same as quitting. Quitting means you're not willing to put in the work. Which, by reverse definition, you have to put in a work to get through the transition. Just thought I'd throw that one in for extra measure. Lastly, give yourself some grace. You have to accept the transition for all that it has to offer. Don't beat yourself up. Don't blame yourself. Don't belittle yourself. You have to give yourself some grace. That's how you will make it through the transition. As I right now reflect on that conversation with Sarah, there was so much goodness. I want to add a bunch of stuff, but you know what? That conversation was so good that I'm not. I'm not going to add anything because it stands alone. I'm simply going to segue by saying leverage these points and my conversation with Sarah Zaidigan to thrive in the transition. Well, folks, that brings us to the end of another episode of Thriving in the Transition, the podcast. This happened to be episode 16, and I couldn't be any more thrilled to be at this point with you. Thanks for joining, and thanks for allowing me the opportunity to be myself. We all need to do that. We all need to make that part of our transition. If you're getting something from this podcast, go ahead and give me a five-star evaluation wherever it is that you're listening to this podcast. Please subscribe and add us to that list of great podcasts that you already listen to. I know you're listening to them. I see all the podcast options. Just add this one to what you already listen to. Follow me on Twitter and Facebook at Logic Consulting. 
Also, follow me on Instagram at Logic Coach. That's L-O-G-I-Q underscore coach. You know what? Also, follow me on Spotify at GQ Down. You get to see a great playlist of all the love songs that folks talk about. And you get to see all the other music that I use to help me in my transitions. The playlist name, Shocker, Thriving in the Transition. Reach out on LinkedIn at DJ Roll Rock. Don't forget to follow that YouTube channel of the same name, Thriving in the Transition. And there's that website too, www.thrivingintheTransition.com. Now, get all of our episodes right from that website. There's a page just for the podcast. Go there, get caught up. Also, take a look at how else we can connect. Maybe some other services, some consulting you want to hire me out for. I do public speaking. Holla at your boy. I'll talk to your group in person or virtually. Lastly, if you're interested in supporting this podcast and helping us grow, send me an email, send me a tweet, send me an IM, hit me up in the DM. You'll find a sponsorship button on my homepage at Anchor FM, www.anchor.fm forward slash TITT. TITT for Thriving in the Transition. Again, look for that support button. Most importantly, don't keep this a secret. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your coworkers. While you're at it, do something that makes you uncomfortable this week. Then let me know what that was and how it turned out. You've got my permission to do something uncomfortable. All right, folks, until the next episode, cheers. Have a great day.